You will love this episode. And if you want to learn how to process anger and stop negative thinking, it is a must to listen. Uh, We have the amazing Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, and she's written the book Light on the Other Side of Divorce, which is a, a read that I always recommend to my clients. Dr. Elizabeth is a clinical psychologist. She has been for about 15 years. She went through a difficult divorce herself and saw a need um, to help people really end up seeing divorce as a gift. So listen up. It's a good one. Here we are with the lovely Dr. Elizabeth Cohen and of course, Kimberly Geiken, my co-host and another mediator to to add to our conversation. But I just want to say, Dr. Elizabeth, I always am so excited for these. They're so fun for me, but I really feel blessed to have you here today. And I want you to know that I got to know you through your amazing book, Light on the Other Side of Divorce. And this is what it means so much to me because I think it can help people even who haven't been through a divorce. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm a little bit unique. I have a different story as to why I'm in this profession. And it's not because I went through a divorce. So I like to get stories from you. And that book has helped me heal. And I've passed it along because we always recommend um, therapy to our clients. Um, And we love to get stories from people who have gone through this process and Um, and that there's light and that divorce can be a gift. So you've been a clinical psychologist for 15 years and I love your website. We're going to put a connection in our show notes, but you have like, you have a lot of free tools that people can utilize. You've got, um, you know, uh, there's a, a course that people can take how to not screw up your kids during divorce. I love that. I love that title. So today, what we really want to talk to you about is how to process anger. Because when I'm working with people in mediations, we, you know, we want to coach them so that they can have a better life after this. And sometimes it's really difficult when we're having to, you know, they're sitting in front of me and we're doing the divorce together. So any tips that you can give us on that and then how to stop the negative thinking. But I think what I really want to begin with, and that's going to be really helpful. And another thing that I really love about you, and I think you're a little bit unique, is that you share your personal story. And that's what, you know, I'm really, I want to hear it and, and, and how divorce was an opportunity for you. Well, thank you so much, Lisa and Kimberly, for having me. I'm really honored to be here um, and have a chance to share my story and some strategies that might be able to help your audience. So thanks for having me. Um, so I came to this I came to this work, both psychology and the divorce work, honestly, by my life experiences. Um, I when I when my children were two years and six months old, um, I kicked my ex-husband out for who was struggling with the disease of alcoholism. And that was something that um, was incredibly challenging for me, as you can imagine, given that my children were so young. And I, you know, in the position in my practice of 
having the answers. You know, people would come to me for their problems. And so here I was suddenly really struggling. And one evening I opened up the computer and looked up divorce recovery programs. And this was about 11 years ago, 12 years ago, and I, I couldn't find anything. And I realized in that moment that it sent me a message that I wasn't going to recover because if there was no information, then it, there must not be that. And so I had the privilege of all this training and experience. So I kind of hobbled together what I knew um, to try to help myself one step forward, two steps back. Um, and I tell a story in the book about one day I was at the playground with my kids and I, someone asked, oh, I haven't seen their biological dad. And I started telling the story about him and you know, everyone had all these reactions. It's a very dramatic story. And then I left and I realized that I felt terrible. You know, here I thought I wanted empathy, but really I thought, wait a minute, I'm, I'm the character in that story. And the way I remember it now is that I was pushing the stroller and I was in Central Park where there were two paths. And I thought to myself, like, I could take, I have a choice now. I can either spend the rest of my life telling his story, um, focusing on the pain, or I can figure out, you know, gently and compassionately how I got here and how to make sure I don't end up here again without judgment, but lovingly. And so that's what I decided to do, to take the internal trip instead of the external trip about him. Yep. I love that. And I love that you saw any, I mean, we have people on that are like you that have gone through it and have seen a need. And now people don't have to feel that way because there are things like your book to help them through the process. And it is scary. Yeah. And it is difficult. And, you know, there are all those feelings. And I really highly recommend your podcast and your book to people to help them through it um, and to help them through it even beyond the divorce, I think. But for the for Kim and I, when we're in, you know, this heated mediation and what I want you to know is we've changed the way we do things where we do a flat fee so that people don't feel rushed so we can take time to go take a, a breath, to disconnect and reconnect later um, because it, it, it's so difficult. But if you could help us by letting listeners know when they, I have, you know, couples where it's, and I don't know, it feels almost like since COVID even a little bit more, um, you hit their buttons and they're just going back and forth hitting buttons and I'm in the middle going, ah. um, so your insight is greatly appreciated on this. And I might take notes here too. Great. Oh, I'm honored to be asked. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about anger and a little bit about trauma. So um, it's really important for people to understand that going through a divorce for the nervous system is a traumatic experience. Even if you have been in counseling and you've been preparing for this, trauma is something that happens to our system too fast and too much. And anyone who's been through a divorce, um, that's what happens. Even if you've been preparing suddenly the pile of paperwork or the calls from the mediator or looking for an apartment, right? It's just a lot coming at you. So um, even for the people who are the most prepared, I try to let them know that it's still a traumatic experience, let alone if your partner just come home, comes home, kind of dumps this news on you. Mm -hmm. Your nervous system, when it is going through a trauma, has beautiful biological responses of fight, flight, or freeze. 
And so those are what we do when we are in a traumatic experience. So if you're going through divorce and, <clears throat> excuse me, you want to um, kind of put your blanket over your head and not meet with your mediator that day, right? That's the flight response. That's the, I don't want to go, I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. If you feel numb and depressed and um, disconnected, that's the freeze response. And what we see a lot is the fight response, which is the fury and the anger. And in my book, I talk about the idea of having righteous anger, that if you're getting divorced, you know, you have a reason to be angry. Even if like, you know, you didn't have the circumstances I had, nobody cheated. You still have, you know, you wanted something different and it didn't work out. That right. should piss you off, right? So you can right. be angry about that. So in the book, I talk about some strategies to manage that anger so that it's essentially moved through your body. We get stuck in trauma when we don't allow those feelings to move through. When we think I shouldn't have any, you know, I shouldn't be angry. I knew this was coming. I need to face the lawyers. I need, you know, not allowing ourselves to basically complete whatever that response is appropriately safely at home. So a lot of people come in with this incomplete response and <clears throat> might explode. You mentioned that it's more during COVID. I think that's absolutely right because COVID is an existential trauma. It is a trauma that we've all been through and continue to be through of, you know, are we at risk? What, yeah. what is the danger? So if you've had any trauma or you're from any systemically oppressed group, trauma piles on top of trauma. So if you've had a divorce and now you're going through COVID, if you're a person of color and you have a divorce and now you're, it's just, it layers on top. So I want to say to the people who are mediators who are listening also just to understand that you're, you're dealing with layers of feelings, that it might just be coming out about this one topic that you're discussing, but it's really historical. And sometimes it helps me with my clients to kind of picture them as children who are really having um, a, an appropriate anger response to not being able to be protected. So that just helps me a little bit. But there's some things that we you can guide clients and people can do when they're feeling angry in the moment. So a couple of things. <clears throat> I'm a huge fan of book ending. So um, when you know you're going to meet with your lawyer or you know you're going to see your ex at a drop off, you know, what are you going to do before to take care of yourself? And what are you going to do after? Mm -hmm. Is it calling a friend? Is it having a therapy session? Is it going for a run? And often people might remember the beginning, but they forget the end. And we really do need to bookend it because otherwise things just kind of leak and come out other ways. Um, <clears throat> so the body is, a, is an amazing um, thing that we can work with. So when you're in the session with someone and if you're noticing them getting angry, I know you said, you know, to kind of pause and take a breath. And sometimes that's helpful, but we also sometimes need to bring out that um, fight response. So one thing you can do is you can have people when they're sitting in their chair, kind of press the heel of their hand into the chair um, to kind of get this pushing action. So I'm doing it against my hands, but it's basically like this against the chair. Okay. And if you, if you try that now, you might notice that there's a little bit, there's tension and then there's <clears throat> a bit of release. And it, it's because it activates your shoulders, which is really our, our fight response. Um, if you notice that, that someone's body, I mean, I would really be tuned into people's bodies. Like if you notice that their body is kind of leaning forward because they're angry, I would say, I'm wondering if you could just sit back in your seat a centimeter. Okay. Okay. So it's just like shifting the, the physiology just a little bit 
can allow for more integration. And what happens when you're going through a trauma essentially is that the part of your brain that you all need when you're mediating, the frontal cortex that makes decisions, goes offline when you're in that response. So you need to find a way for them to communicate better. So these are some of those strategies that can help with that. Well, and you know, that will be helpful for me to let them know that going into it. You know, I can say, I might not catch it if you're feeling angry. Um, And if you do, you could push that, you know, just giving them those tips are going to help them for the rest of their lives. Totally. And you could also say, Lisa, hey, I'm going to be listening. I'm going to be listening for what you're saying. I'm going to be writing a lot down. I want you to really be tracking what's happening in your body. If you notice and, you know, your shoulders start going up or your mouth is getting dry or your fists are tensing. Give me a signal and we'll take a break. Like tuning them into their own internal signals could be helpful too. So helpful. And I just, I'm kind of moving back, but what kind of jumped out to me when you talked about righteous anger, seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're kind of saying, don't like feel ashamed or judge that anger. And I think sometimes people can do that, you know, especially women. I mean, we are just in our culture taught to be nice and sweet. And that anger means that you're, you know, a negative word that we've been called before. And so what, what I like to let people know is that emotions, if you look at an MRI, are excitations in the brain, joy, grief, excitement, sadness. They're all the same excitations. They're just a feeling we put judgments on feeling mm-hmm. anger a huge one that people judge is jealousy like it's just a feeling what if you judge excitement and joy and happiness the same way we don't but right. they're they're the same thing we need to allow all of them so you have a right you know it's okay to be angry it's not okay to hurt another person but this is what we tell our children like you can be angry that you can't have chocolate chip cookies for breakfast i get that that makes you mad and we can't have chocolate chip cookies for breakfast, but you can be angry. I'm here. Like, do you want to punch a pillow? Do you want to just kind of roar? One thing I, I do, I, I talk in the book about, I listen to really intense heavy metal music and let my body just go. <laughs> I love that. And it's the best. It feels like I just released it all. And then, I, and then I'm not, because, you know, if you tell yourself not, and we've all had this experience. If you say, like, whatever you do, don't think about chocolate ice cream. Whatever you do, don't think about <laughs> chocolate ice cream. That's all you can think about. So if you tell yourself not to, it comes out later sideways. So uh, yeah. no shame about it. I love that. And you're making me think of another part in your book about the kickboxing. I mm-hmm. love to kickbox and it, it like I was in there and like you could actually see someone's face that you were kicking. And I was like, what is this? Like Amazing. Just, you know, That's what it is. Right. <laughs> and you think to yourself, I, I tell in the book that I thought I'm not angry. You know, everyone who <laughs> describe me as angry. It's like, yeah, right. I'm not like acting out, but right. of course I have anger and I have frustration and the release that you feel and that we don't allow ourselves to do that is really right. Then it comes well, out of mediation, right? Exactly. And the numbing, you know, when you had mentioned that earlier, it's so easy to numb. And you can do it for so long because you just have to put on a face and go about your business and hide it from what's really going on in the world that at some point you actually forget how to feel anything yeah. good, bad. Um, 
So that that is a hard thing to to go through. And I can remember feeling guilt for um, being like sad or upset because I had initiated things. So it felt like I'm not warranted to be upset about it. Um, So it's actually been through the podcast. Actually, a lot of this is that it's okay. It's okay to be sad and still want it. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad you're bringing that up. Um, Thanks for sharing that and your vulnerability around that. You know, I think that, um, so many people who end up getting divorced have sublimated their emotions in the relationship also for a long time. Mm -hmm. So feeling your emotions about the divorce is complicated, but also maybe just feeling your feelings, period. Mm -hmm. And so I think that in some ways, if you could see the divorce as practice for how you're going to have to be in the rest of your life, right? Because even once you sign those papers, either your ex pisses you off or, you know, your boss or whatever, your anger is always going to be part of it. But if you practice how to work through it um, in your divorce, then it can help you in your life. It's like, oh, it's all part of the healing. Um, Very often I will, when feeling overwhelmed, I will say to myself, um, I've been through something so much harder. Like I can handle this because I was able to handle that. And I know that people going through divorce are like, please, are you kidding me? I don't want to hear that. And I I get it. It is really, really hard, but it is also, you know, a painful growth experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's such a, such great advice is to remember that when, because it's so easy to get overwhelmed. And that is, I mean, especially right now it's kids going back to school and what's really happening. And, it's such a great tip for so many areas of your life mm-hmm. to be able to just stop and, and take a breath and yeah. realize it's not that bad. Like you can do this. You can do this. And I wonder, I wonder Lisa also, if this is another tip. Um, I don't know how you, but maybe this, you would just start with this in the mediation, you know, essentially our nervous system wa- wants to know that we're safe, that there isn't a threat. And when you sit down with your ex, you know, are you going to lose the kid? Whatever the threat is, that's probably not even real. Um, and so I wonder if there's a way to kind of start by saying, I want, I, this is how I talk in therapy, but, um, you know, I'm going to talk to you at the back of your mind, or I'm going to talk to your nervous system. You might not even need to hear this, but I just want your nervous system to know that it's safe here, that this is a safe space to lean into my help to allow me to be a sacred container. And I I encourage people also to talk about this with every new situation that you're in to look around and realize I am safe. There's no threat, you know, the threat was probably back then, but right now in this office, I'm safe. And one of the ways to ground is to um, name, let's say three red things you see, two blue things you see, one yellow thing you see in the room. That really helps people ground. Because what happens, I'm sure you've seen this, you're talking and the person is in their present self. And then suddenly it's like you're talking to someone who's, you know, either five, 12, 20, you know, 20, like they're, they, they really do become however they were, whatever age they were when they were. Right. right. And I love that. And I know exactly when I, I, cause I talk about how it's safe, confidential, you know, I talk about how, and so I always bring that up when we're together, but I think I can go deeper. You know, I'm saying that this is a safe place 
this is confidential. Nothing that you say, nothing, you know, you're not going to sign anything right now today. We're going to come up with ideas and they're never going to be used against you. Like if you throw out a low ball for maintenance or a high, you know, you don't have to worry about that. Right. That is so key to remember that. And, and uh, there's clients in particular that I need to make sure. And, you know, I honestly have so much compassion for these people and what they're going through. And it is the strangest. I mean, I feel it for both of them. I feel it for the cheater and for the one who wanted to stay, you know, it's just, it's such a beautiful experience and it's painful too, which is so sad, but to be able to get them in a better place and to learn these skills, you know, most people say it is a gift, you know, Kim's on the other side, you're on the other side. Um, we had Susan Guthrie on who told her story about being on the other side. So I, I want people to be less afraid of it and to know that they can do it. And there's people that have gone through it. Um, yeah. I think these are really, really helpful tips for me and for the clients coming in. Um, so now let's talk about a little bit about the the negative, how to get those negative thoughts, you know, out of their heads when they're coming in. So maybe there's something they can do to prepare yeah. before they come to it. Okay, great. Yeah. So the first thing I just like to let people know is that self-talk is self-hypnosis. So if you've ever I been in that. Yeah. So if you've ever been hypnotized, which is essentially just kind of suggesting something like um, my favorite hyp hypnosis technique that I do every day for myself is like, you have all the time that you need. You have all the time that you need, which you just basically like time. I'm not changing time. I'm simply changing how yeah. I'm thinking about time so I can just kind of work in my day differently. And so what you tell yourself, you believe. And yeah. what you tell yourself, you know, we don't know. Like I say to my clients all the time, like, I don't know what's going to happen. But if we're going to be thinking about it, if we think about it more, more accurately, I don't like to say positively, but more accurately, then at least um, we have more of a chance to move forward in a more productive way. So I, as a cognitive behavioral therapist, talk about like realistic thinking so, for example, you know, we start out by kind of listing what your fears are. So I'm going into this meeting and I'm afraid that my ex is going to railroad me. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about that. How many conversations that you've had with them do they railroad you? All of them. Okay, well, let's just let's just take a minute and really think about it. Like, is it really all of them? Well, no, it usually happens when they feel cornered. Okay, so... Um, my maybe the more realistic thought is my partner i'm i'm my partner might railroad me and even adding might might railroad me when they feel afraid right and so then even you can just feel how i change that it just kind of brings the intensity down so you're not looking for like are they railroading me are they railroading? maybe you actually get sensitive to are they feeling afraid right so then, then that's the thing you address right you're like you don't have to be afraid go ahead well, I was just going to say, I like your thought because it is believable. When mm -hmm. you said might, it made it, and that just makes it even have a bigger impact. Yeah. Right. I love that accurate thinking too. Accurate. Yeah. Oh, that's great because there's so much, you know, talk and hubbub uh, buzzwords about, you know, positive thinking and doing all the time that sometimes sometimes there are just yucky situations that it is hard to find the positive and you're forcing yourself into that false positivity 
that doesn't help. So I love the thinking accurately. I think that's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, because also I think then if you if it isn't positive or you can't stay positive, then you feel bad about yourself. Yep. And it's right. right? Yep. And that and that the research really shows that like accurate thinking is really what shifts the way people think because you can then be prepared for what happens. So you want to look out for words like shoulds, you know, things that are absolutes. Um, like it should, it's going to go terribly. Okay, let's talk about terribly. What would what would terribly look like? Well. Would it be like if you stormed out? Oh, no, it won't be that bad. Okay. So like really trying to kind of piece apart what you're afraid of. Um, and also, you know, I talk in the book about um, really being careful about the words we choose. So, you know, I like to talk about, I was just working with a client yesterday. He told me her son said, I think you and dad should get unmarried. <laughs> I love it. I hate the word divorce. Right. I was like, it's such a yucky word. It's right. unmarried. It's so simple. Exactly. Yeah, and I, have, I have another client who talks about it. It's like our relationship is transitioning. You know, just thinking about yeah. the words that you use. So even thinking, uh, I have mediation today, right? Even, uh, right? Like, huh, I'm curious about how mediation is going to go today. Right. Really just shifting slightly yes. how you think about it. Love that. Very, very helpful. Yes. Writing this all down. Good. And uh, yeah, this is truly, truly going to help our clients. So, you know, I can't believe how fast this went. And I feel like I learned so much. And I feel, I mean. I can come back. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> we would really, really love that if you would come back. That would be amazing. But why don't you let, I'll put it in the show notes, but why don't you let people know how they can find you and all your information? Thank you. Um, so people can find me on my website, which is drelizabethcohen.com, D-R. And that's where I have my course on how to not screw up your kids, information <laughs> on how to have some of these positive, um, act more accurate thoughts that have affirmations on there. Lots of free services. That's also where you can find a link to my podcast, The Divorce Doctor Podcast, where I interview people about their stories and have them share those and their mm -hmm. strength. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at The Divorce Doctor. Um, and I'm happy to answer any questions anyone has. My book is called Light at the Other Side of Divorce, Discovering the New You. And I encourage, you can get it on Amazon. I encourage people to check out Bookshop. That's just a conglomerate of small business, small bookstores. Oh, like during COVID, I feel like we should try to support. Yep. Um, so you can get it, but you can get it anywhere you want. Well, it has been truly wonderful to have you on and you know really listeners check her out and i am going to send clients your way because i think it's so important and we do want people to heal through this so thank you dr elizabeth so much for being here today yes, thank you thank for you having me. all right take care Thank you for joining us for another great episode. And remember, if you're feeling scared about divorce and want to get some information, go to lisakoski.com. If you're wanting to make a plan with your soon-to-be ex-spouse or co-parent, jump on um, to my on-demand parenting plan course that will help prepare you for the road ahead. See you next time.